Australia spends $6 billion a year on prisons. It costs, on average, $150,000 a year to keep someone in jail. But we still have one of the highest rates of reoffending in the world. So what is prison good for? Peter Curti is a researcher at the centre-right group, the Centre for Independent Studies. He's been rethinking prison for economic and for moral reasons. What we want to do by asking the question, what is prison good for, is to have a closer look at the role of prison, to assess the way in which prison is used, and to ask whether it's being used in the best way. We cannot live without prison, and there certainly are some individuals who need to be in prison, and some of those people need to be there for a very long time. But the problem with prison that we identified, and other researchers have long identified this too, is that as rates of serious crime in Australia have declined, particularly over the last 30 years, the rate, the, the rate of homicide in particular, the rates of incarceration have gone up over the same period. So we're ending up, we've got less serious crime in the sense of crime like homicide, but we're getting more people in prison. Now, very often it's a simple calculation that people make. They think, oh, well, crime rates are falling because we're locking more people up, and therefore the answer to crime is to lock up prisoners. And what our research uncovered was the fact that this is actually not the case at all, and that people are being locked up for different reasons, and that the rate of incarceration does not actually have an impact on the rates of crime. Well, let's try to answer the, the title question, what is prison good for? What is it good for? Well, prison is good for a number of things. The first role that it plays, and it's a significant role, is retribution. There is a very strong sense, a just sense, and a moral sense that people who commit serious crimes, they need to pay a penalty, and that penalty is the deprivation of liberty. And it's appropriate that society exacts a degree of retribution for people who have done wrong when it's appropriate for them to be in prison. The second role is rehabilitation because we can't just lock people up and throw away the key. What we need to do, and corrective services need to accomplish this, is to prepare prisoners for re-entry to society when they are released. And this is a particularly important role and a very challenging role because one of the reasons prison rates have been rising in Australia over the last 30 years is that rates of recidivism are going up. Yeah, I mean, according to your report, it's very high in Australia, 53%. That raises the opposite question, what's prison bad for, Peter? What have you found? One of the paradoxes that we uncovered was that rates of recidivism are high because one of the factors is that prison sentences are too short. That sounds a very odd thing to say, but the thing is that if somebody goes to prison for a short period of time, they are not able to avail themselves of rehabilitation programs that are available, and they're not always available. But when they are available, they're not able to avail themselves of them. And so they go to prison, experience extraordinary amounts of disruption in their lives, in their private lives, family lives, uh, disruption from work, and that sense of disruption that comes from a disconnection from society and there is no program that helps them to re-engage, to re-enter society. Recidivism is high because often people simply fall through the cracks, they fail to reintegrate in society, commit crime and they return to prison. 
one answer to that recidivism problem is something that I found especially fascinating in the report. What's this idea of moral education as an antidote to crime? It's a question that goes to the heart of the philosophy of punishment in a way. And why do we punish? What is the, the moral basis of punishment? And moral education is one of the theories in the philosophy of punishment, which is about teaching people and encouraging people who have done wrong to reevaluate their moral position and their, their moral conduct and to be prepared when they re-enter society to live their lives, as it were, by a different moral code. It's not possible to draw hard and fast distinctions between the roles of retribution, rehabilitation, moral education. They do fuse to an extent, and so the boundaries are clear for the purposes of discussion. But even the experience of having one's liberty deprived could be a, a spur to moral re-evaluation, which is a part of moral education. It's not just aimed, though, at the individual offender. Isn't the idea of moral education something that society as a whole takes on, that we are inculcated with the attitude that there are things that, if we transgress, we'll end up in jail. We ought to train ourselves not to transgress, as opposed to always relying on the heavy hand of the state. Well, that's true, and one of the roles that prison is often thought to play is that of deterrence and in fact it seems that prison doesn't deter people from committing crime. One is far more likely to be deterred from committing crime if the risk of getting caught is high which comes back to the role of policing and the uh, the efficiency of, of policing. Prison as such is not much of a deterrent and yet it can play a part as you've indicated in in the moral re-education the moral education not just of prisoners but of citizens part of the moral education i think also though for the wider community involves thinking again about what prison is good for because if we just think that somebody commits a crime and what we need to do the way to respond is to lock them up and deprive them of their liberty and impose this tremendous disruption in their lives then we ourselves are taking a rather narrow and not so much immoral but morally questionable approach to the role of prison. Peter, not only are you a social researcher, you're also trained in law, but I think you're principally a Christian minister. How should a Christian approach the question of punishment? I think it's a very good and a very important question because as Christians, we are reminded by the teachings of the New Testament, by the teachings of Jesus in the Gospel, that we have a part to play, a role to play in the society in which we live. And St. Paul, in particular, was very strong on this. And therefore, it, we need to abide by the law and we need to discharge our duties responsibly as citizens of the state in which we live. At the same time, we live, as it were, as citizens of of another realm, of another kingdom, and that we bring those principles and values to bear on our life as well. Now, to come to the, the nub of your question, I think that when Christians think about punishment, they need to think about, first of all, justice. That justice is not a term that Christians should shy away from when we speak about a just God and we speak about the justice of God. But justice must be tempered with mercy and with compassion and those who have done wrong, those who are being punished by the state, need to be 
treated with compassion and mercy and we need to remember at all times that they are human beings created in the image of God as we are. The ministry of Christian clergy in prisons testifies to that because the chaplain knows what a prisoner has done and why they're there and that they have done wrong and they certainly are not there to say that uh, they shouldn't be in prison at all but by bringing to bear the qualities of mercy and compassion can help a prisoner to understand more about the circumstances that have led them to be there and perhaps to help them see the error of their ways. So I think Christians must not sidestep the need for sometimes very severe punishment and stern punishment and the judgment of the court but at the same time we must never lose sight of the fact that the men and women and young people who are locked away in prison are created in the image of God and they are loved every bit as much as we are. The paradox or the very difficult thing though for Christian involved in criminal justice for example is that there are crimes that today society deems are unforgivable but that really clashes with the Christian idea that there is no sin for which we can't be redeemed. I think in many ways there's never been a more important time for us to, as Christians, to speak to and witness to the importance of repentance Mm. and forgiveness. Again, I think that's part of a just and compassionate response to individual wrongdoing. Repentance for the individual does also require amendment of life. Mm. And an individual who makes no attempt to amend his or her life in a way it doesn't forfeit forgiveness but it's not entirely authentic. Look just coming back to this report uh, finally there is an interesting meeting though of the religious and the secular because you um, cite the distinguished uh, Australian criminologist uh, Don Wedderburn he says one of the best things you can do to prevent people going to jail is to block the opportunity to commit crime this rather sounds like the old uh, religious injunction of the church don't tempt an occasion of sin. Well yes but I think Wedderburn was really talking about blocking opportunities by means of effective policing. If you lead somebody to believe that they commit a crime, they are likely to be caught. That is blocking an opportunity. It's always thoughtful to speak with you, uh, Peter Curti from the Centre for Independent Studies. Thanks for being on the program again. Thank you very much, Andrew. Great pleasure. And there's a link to that report when you go to the Religion and Ethics Report homepage. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.